Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back, everyone. I am so humbled and grateful and thrilled that one of my yoga idols and a huge inspiration to me, Anita Goa, is in Wonderland. So I recently discovered her in her amazing YouTube channel with some of the best yoga routines that she gives you fresh every single week. They're amazing, and they're so timely. She does them a lot of times with the moon, and they're amazing, and each one is unique, and you can really sense her passion and her skill as a teacher. So they're great because you can do yoga at your house or wherever you are with Anita any time of day that you want. You can just turn her right on. So she is an amazing yoga teacher and she's also a fitness trainer, but she's not just either one of those. She's a fusion of both and she's so down to earth and her approach to yoga and fitness really creates an environment where you feel inspired to push yourself to your fullest potential. She believes that working out should connect you to yourself and be done with lightness of spirit while being serious about giving you positive results. So she starts every yoga class off with such positive inspiration and quotes, and she's just an amazing person. So I'm so excited to get to know her even more, and uh, we'll definitely have the links to her site and her YouTube channel so you can check her out for yourself. So she's been featured everywhere from Fitness Magazine, The New York Times, Cosmopolitan, and she's been on shows like The View and The Today Show, and now she's here on The Wellness Wonderland Radio. So thank you so much for stopping by, and I already feel like I know you from doing yoga with you all the time. (laughs) Oh, great. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. So... I think we should start by kind of zooming the lens back, and I would love to know how you discovered yoga and talk a bit about that. Yeah, so um, maybe I can start off um, saying that I, you know, when I was 13 years old, I discovered aerobics. And prior to that, I actually hated to exercise. I, I'm not a very competitive person, so um, sports never gravitated towards me. Oh, that's but, so funny. I feel the same way. <laughs> and um, I found aerobics, and Jane Fonda was my guru at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I always loved to dance, and I loved music, and with aerobics, I was able to combine both of them, and it was very non-competitive. Um, so that journey from, you know, just doing aerobics and, and uh, you know, really, it was fitness to me, but it always felt like I was connecting to myself, and I was able to deal with um, uh, a lot of, you know, challenges that you go through in your teens, and also in uh, your 20s, um, at least for me, those, those years were very challenging. So the fact that I had aerobics was a way for me sort of to escape while at the same time keep myself strong and, and enduring to deal with all of that stuff. Uh, so when I was done with college, I decided to um, take the trip over to America Uh, Luckily, I was uh, born here, actually, and then we moved to Norway when I was five. So I had um, an American passport. Um, So I had all of those years of experience with aerobics and from fitness. And my, my college education was a teacher degree in nutrition. But I was like, I'm not going to be teaching. I did not want to do that. I wanted to be in marketing or in advertising. 
but I had zero experience. And I had very little money when I came to New York. So I was like, okay, what do I do? All right, I just got to use my, my fitness experience. So I applied for different, um, different jobs and was very lucky in that I got a lot of work subbing for, for the different health clubs here. And fast forward, you know, a few years, I was just extremely exhausted from teaching like 20 aerobics classes a week. Oh my goodness. And I was like praying. I realized that I loved to teach and I loved to, you know, create my own routines and, and have my own schedule. But I knew I just couldn't teach um, aerobics and be able to, you know, survive physically because there were times when I would get out of bed I could like barely walk because my feet were so numb and sore (laughs) so I was just praying you know like something else would come my way but that I you know could teach and one day it was a gorgeous day I had been teaching uh, I think step aerobics over on the west side of Manhattan and I walked through Central Park and because I lived on the east side and um, there was a store on 79th Street and 3rd Avenue and there was a, a dance um, studio on the top and they were selling dance clothes on the bottom. And in the window, they had a book that said Power Yoga. And I walked by this, this store window and this book just sort of jumped out at me. And I'm like, power yoga, wow, what's that? So I just walked into uh, the store and I bought the book. And I flipped through the book and I thought, wow, this looks really interesting. And um, this is 1997 or 98. And I had a computer, but I didn't have the internet. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like dinosaur age, but <laughs> but I had a client who who had his own company and he had the internet and I was as I was reading in the book, um, the author of Power Yoga was Bender, Beryl Bender Birch, and uh, she was the wellness director through the New York Roadrunners Club, and I read that she was holding courses there. So I said to my client, um, Frank, you know, would you be so kind to like look her up and see, you know, I really would like to go to her class. So he looked her up and um, there was a beginner's course. And uh, I was like, I, I just have to start that beginner course. It was a six week beginner course. And him and I, we signed up together. <laughs> So that was that was basically that was my beginning. It's so and, cool. Yeah. And uh so I started that 6-week course and then I did another 6-week course and uh, this was in the fall. And in January she announced that she was going to have um I think it was one of her first teacher trainings in the summer. And uh I my intuition was like Anita, you have to do that. You have to do that. So I applied and was praying that I would be accepted into this teacher training. And um, luckily I did. And that summer of, um, I think it was June in 1998, I went through Beryl's teacher training. And that was in Ashtanga Yoga. So cool. It's so cool to see how that transition and, and yoga really found you. You were, you know, at, you knew you had a gift for teaching, but you didn't really know what it was that you wanted to teach and you knew what you liked and you knew what your strengths were. And then it just kind of found you and all came together, which is super cool. It, it is really cool. You know, I think when you really, you open yourself up really to the possibility of, um, what might be possible. You know, sometimes you just don't know what that is. But if you just try to keep yourself open to it, 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 it just is going, it's going to find you. Mm, so good. So I guess 
with that, a couple of things I want to latch on to from your story. So what drew you to um, want to come to New York City in the first place? Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, it was, um, it was a lot the fact that, um, my parents immigrated to America back in the sixties and my dad was, he was so in love with America. He, you know, it was the land of opportunity and a lot of Norwegians came here and my dad was a carpenter and an entrepreneur and he, um, you know, created a, a very nice business for himself building houses because Norwegians are, you know, very good with wood and building. And um, so he really believed in the American dream. And if you have a dream, then this is the place to realize it. So I, I, I sort of was fed that all the way from childhood that Anita, if you have a dream, you got to go to America and you have to realize your dream. So since I was 12, my dad would send me over to visit friends in upstate New York. Um, so I always knew that at some point I would probably, you know, move to, to America. And uh, when I was done with, uh, almost done with college, um, I was whatever doing something in my apartment and this voice said to me, now is the time for you to go to America, Anita. Mm. <laughs> and it is funny because it is this voice that constantly keeps following me and, you know, I just hear it so clearly. That was in December of, um, uh, let me see, 1993. And then in January 10th of uh, 1994, I took the plane and I came to New York. And so I just recently had my 20th anniversary here, which I'm very proud of. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I, my sister, middle sister, she was here at the time. So that made it much easier to oh, come. Nice. And she was studying at FIT to become um, uh, a fashion designer and accessory designer. Nice. You kind of had someone here in your network that always makes it easier. Yeah, yeah. It made it much easier. So I guess with that, you know, when thinking about the city, how do you stay grounded in such a fast-moving place? <laughs> yeah, it's that's a very good question because it, it is such a fast-paced city and um, I think that really what what has allowed me to stay grounded is the fact I think that I grew up in a really small place in Norway um, of uh, like a thousand people <laughs> uh, really small where everyone knew everyone and you know, the most beautiful nature that you can imagine around you. And um, I think like I, I sort of always retreat back to that place. Although when I was growing up there, I never appreciated it because I always wanted out. I was a big daydreamer and I was always imagine myself, you know, living in a big city and climbing, you know, um, the career ladder or, or whatnot. But I think that that background sort of, it's been really, really helpful in a city like New York. Uh, I think um, always being physically active, I think really helped me too. Uh, like those years that I, I did so much aerobics, as challenging as it was, um, uh, it helped keep me really strong and really enduring and, you know, kept me connected to myself. And then, of course, when I when I discovered yoga, I mean, that was just um, really my savior, I think, because it's like it's such a reality check yoga. It, you, you think that, you know, you're this or that and then you get to the mat and you're like, I thought I was balanced. Like I thought I was in touch with my breath. <laughs> and then <laughs> you realize, hmm, maybe not so much. So 
um, I think that is, you know, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Something I love about your, and I was going to get to this later, but what I love about practicing with you is, you know, you really helped me fall in love with yoga again. Really? Thank you. Yeah, because you are so grounded and you're so down to earth in your practice and the way that you teach. And, you know, I, I started practicing yoga in high school and then I did teacher training and I've been teaching for a couple of years now and I love it and I've been practicing a lot. But it was one of those things where I was just kind of, I was in kind of a funk with my practice. And then, you know, through a mutual friend, I found you and your YouTube channel and it kind of changed everything for me having a, um, you know, this is very recent, but having a home practice and being able to really be grounded and listen to you as the teacher, but also it takes away so much pressure and allows you to really tune into yourself. And, you know, I always say this in my classes, but, you know, yoga should never hurt. It should never, you should push yourself, but it should never hurt. And um, I think, you know, with a home practice and what you really promote on your channel and the way you teach, it's very easy for people to like be, I love the way you say, you know, oh, that feels so good. Stay there or, you know, whatever it is, but really finding whatever that is for you. I think that can keep you grounded no matter what's going on around you. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, um, the importance of a home practice. Yeah, I um, I know that for most people and myself included, it was very challenging to develop a home practice. And I think that, you know, it's very easy to, to wonder, am I doing this right? Uh, is this going to progress me forward in the same way as maybe going to a class will? And... Um, what I, what I try to do in my, my practices is to try to um, instill sort of a faith within yourself that, you know, my whole thing is that I want you to find your own flow and I want you to follow your own flow. That is really my, my, my mission in life is that if you can find that, you will know exactly what it is that you need to do and you're not going to injure yourself uh, because you will be, you know, staying connected to who you are, you know, and what you can do at any moment in your practice and try to be honest with yourself with, you know, what you can do. And sometimes I, you know, I sort of, maybe I beat myself up sometimes for not always feeling like I'm giving enough instructions, you know, for doing this or I'm offering a pose and I'm like, oh, I should have said, you know, something else, you know, to make sure that they do X, Y, Z, because I feel very responsible uh, for what it is that I try to put out there. But then also I, I, I want my students and my audience to also take self-responsibility for their own practice and their own actions. Um, so, you know, it's so easy to say, I'm going to practice five days a week or I'm going to practice... 45 minutes every single day or an hour a day. But the, the key is to just try to listen to yourself and say, I can practice 10 minutes a day or, you know, this is what I can do today. Or, you know what, that practice she offered today isn't really a practice for me. Uh, maybe I can visit that a little bit later. That realize it's a journey and it's not a journey where it's to beat yourself up for not doing a certain pose or not doing it a certain amount of days a week or not doing it a certain amount every single day. Mm, Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, I know for myself, you know, this is something that I had to really work through, but I was doing yoga from a place of 
fear, right? You know, when mm-hmm. I was younger, I was like, oh, I've got to get to my mat this many days a week or I don't or, you know, and I would just I would freak myself out about it. And if I didn't, I would beat myself up, you know, I would just beat myself up if I didn't make it to yoga this many times a week or whatever. And it was all these fear-based thoughts in my mind. And when I really shifted that to doing yoga for out of love and out of mm-hmm. love for my body, not out of fear of my body or what would happen to my body if I didn't, that's when I could actually enjoy it. Because I realized even though I didn't like hate it, I wasn't really enjoying it when I was doing it from a place of fear. So that was everything you said there, I think really resonated. Yeah, because I think when you operate from a place of fear, you're, you're in a constant state of contraction, you know, and, and then you're afraid of hurting yourself. But really, I don't know anyone who has hurt themselves by practicing on their own. I've never gotten hurt by practicing on my own. The only time I've gotten hurt is when a teacher has pushed me, you know, too far in a pose. That's the only time I've gotten hurt. So I really don't think that you can can do much damage to yourself by practicing on your own. But you have to make sure that you stay connected to your breath and that you keep paying attention to your breath. And the moment you, you try to stay connected to your breath and you practice staying connected to your breath, uh, your mind quiets down, your nervous system quiets down. And then there's not that contraction. You know, it's like I say oftentimes in, in class, try to be led by your breath. You know, the more you try to be led by your breath instead of being led by your mind, you won't injure yourself. Because if you, if you are led by your mind, then your mind is like, oh, I should be able to do this. I should today be able to push myself a little bit further because I was able to do that yesterday and the day before. But yoga is not like, you know, in strength training, you know, we can go to the gym and hold a dumbbell and it is about, you know, trying to, you know, squeeze out one extra rep or and the next day or two days next two days later you can try to do that and that's how you produce strength but in yoga it's sort of the opposite the more you can try to relax into that forward bend the more your hamstrings will start to lengthen and soften so it's it's like the complete it's the complete opposite Um, and when we get that things shift and things happen things open Yeah, it's so good. I think, too, it's like you're almost more likely to get hurt in a class where there's ego and there's other people and there's other teachers who may not know but your body as well as you do. Even it could be the best teacher in the world, but they're never going to be in your body and know how a pose feels to you. So I think you're more likely to keep yourself safe at home even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. So I guess with that, you know, it's a great time to, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, this amazing space you've created and this amazing platform you've created using YouTube. And I'd love for you to talk us through kind of continuing on your journey and picking up kind of where we left off with, with was where you found yoga and did your training and then you started teaching. But when did you decide to make YouTube your main platform. And can you talk to us a little bit about um, the business and life and YouTube channel you've created now? Sure. Um, I, I was fortunate uh, enough to um, be able to publish um, a book back in 2003. And I was super excited about that, um, you know, to become a published author yeah. through you know, uh, a big um, uh, publishing company was like um, a dream. But I I actually realized through that experience that although I love to read, I I noticed that I didn't think that my personality sort of came through in the way that I felt that my personality came through in my teaching in the class. And... um, 
<clears throat> excuse me. And it is funny how, you know, YouTube, it's like, I don't even remember how I discovered YouTube, but it was almost like I always knew YouTube and, and it was like, it just magically appeared. You know, I think it was just like with yoga, it's like, yeah, that book came to me, yeah. but I, it was like, I didn't know yoga, but it was almost like I knew yoga from a previous life. And it felt like that with YouTube. And I just got hooked on those videos. I mean, I discovered, you know, Sadie Nardini was probably the first one that I discovered. And I love, love her. And then, you know, I discovered Tara Styles, And, and I, you know, I saw what they were doing. And I thought, you know what, I, I so can do that. Yeah. And I think it was like 2007 and then I had just become pregnant and I'm like, well, no, this is not a good time. But I kept thinking about it and then I was scared to sort of put myself on YouTube because it just seemed so big and vast and I would see some commenters just comment like really bad comments and I'm like, I don't want to put myself in that position. So I decided to start off with interviewing other teachers. <laughs> and so that's sort of how I started. And I realized, well, I wasn't getting any subscribers. And my students, some of my students, and particularly my friends and my clients would be like, but Anita, you know, what about you? You have so much to offer. You know, what are you waiting for? You know, come on. And I'm like, really? Ah, oh, yeah, I'm scared. I don't know if I want to put myself out there. But I, I really wanted to, but I was scared. So then I just took little steps and I used my iPhone. I filmed a little core video. Then I did uh, a voiceover for that. And then I tried this and I tried that. And I did a few, you know, philosophy videos. And and I was just willing sort of to put myself out there more and more as I started to get more used to it. And very gradually, I started to get feedback from what it was that I was doing. And I think initially, I thought that probably no one would be doing my videos. I thought that people would probably just watch them for inspiration and then just do them, you know, according to how they felt. And then I started to realize that no people were actually doing my videos. And then I thought, oh, wow, now this is starting to get serious. I, I really have to start to think about what it is that I'm putting out there. And uh, I would start to get more and more feedback from what it was I was doing. And it motivated me so much. And and just, you know, it's amazing how on the internet we can feel, I can feel everyone's energy. Yeah. It's, it's truly amazing. And then the same people would give me comments and give me requests and say, I love this. Or, you know, maybe I think you were a little too fast in this video, you know, or, you know, can you try this? And, and that was super, super fun. And I realized, you know, I think I'm onto something that what it is that I am doing here in New York with my clients and with my students is resonating with people all over the world. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't know if that would be the case, but I was just following my intuition and sort of working with moving through my own fear of doing that. And I realized the more I trusted myself, the more I really listened to what I felt like doing, the more it was resonating and the more it worked. And, and in the beginning, it was a lot like, well, Google says, you know, people's attention spans are really short. Keep your videos under two minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do that. I just can't do that. And if I'm going to make a video that is just two minutes, I, I can't make a video that's just two minutes. And you know what? I am going to trust that my audience has a longer attention span than two minutes 
I'm going to trust that I know I don't speak the fastest of anybody in this world. I'm a quite slow speaker. I'm going to trust that the way that I speak and the way that I am uh, is good. You know, so I was just sort of going with that and my time increased and, and the more I was just giving of what I felt like giving, the more everyone was giving back to me. You're just so authentic that it completely comes through. And, you know, all of those subscribers that you have just love you so much. It's more subscribers than people in your town when you where you grew up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> By a ton. And it's just – but it's like – it feels like the small community that you're a part of, that you're leading, and um, you really do feel connected with you, you know, I can say from experience. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And it was like, it's always what I wanted. And it's always what I believed that I, that I could create. Because I, I, I always create this in my class. Like I teach the same classes, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1245. I've had those classes now for five years. You know, prior to that, I had, you know, six 6.45 a.m. classes for like 10 years. Like I just stay in the same spot and then people get sort of used to me. I get used to them and we form this yeah. community and we get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it. It's, you know, this this feedback and you don't need to, you know, love what I do. You don't need to love every single flow that I put out there but I I would I love to hear back why didn't you like it like what was it that didn't resonate with you what was it that didn't work for your body uh, and it's not like I try I don't try to please everyone either but I learn I learn so much yeah. uh, from from that feedback and what I was afraid of initially of bad feedback, I, I think I have really not gotten anything. Yeah, in, you know, in the in in these years, so it's 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 amazing. I think that's really cool, and I think it just kind of mirrors a real class, or not a real class. They're real, you know, it's on YouTube, but a physical class. Because I know for me, you know, after same thing, you know, every I teach Sunday mornings, and every Sunday, you know, it's same. What I always ask people is, how do you feel, you know, and Sometimes people say, oh, you went too fast today or, you know, some people love it. And it's like as a teacher, when you're in a physical class, you have to read the room, right? That's what my teacher told me is, you know, you always want to – if you, you know, have a class of beginners, you're not going to teach what you ha- would have if it's your, you know, your regulars or whatever it is and just watching the room. And I think you do a really great job of watching the room on YouTube and really listening to your – um, followers and listening to your subscribers and giving them what they want and making sure they're okay and responding to their comments. And you make us feel like we're part of the community and it's so authentic and real. And I know I really appreciate it as one go flower and um, clearly I'm, I'm not alone by any stretch. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, that's why, that's why I do it. It's, um, it, it really motivates me and it feeds me. You know, yeah. if, if I didn't get any feedback at all, of course, it would be very hard to keep making all of these videos, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I guess with that, um, you know, you've been at this for a while and I would love to know, you know, in your experience, what advice do you have for aspiring yoga or fitness teachers who want to start hitting a bigger audience and, and share in a similar capacity that than as you? I, I think you, I think you just have to, you have to commit, you have to commit yourself. Uh, I think that it's important to, to be consistent. And I think it is important to, you know, answer questions and comments that come in. And that you have to, it's like you have to treat it as a job. I think that's very important because, um, you know, if you, if you put some effort into it, you will get something out of it. 
Um, and of course you have to see, you know, how much it is that you are willing to put into it and however much you're willing to put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Uh, it's not, you know, I mean, I, have now done this like three, four years and, you know, now I'm starting to get a lot of subscribers, but you know, it was a really, it's taken me a long time and I know that there are others who, you know, have been at this for, for much shorter time than me that have like three times the, the subscribership than, than what I have. And as much as, you know, I've, you know, sort of tried to figure out what is the best way to, you know, get the most amount of views for each video and, and get the most amount of um, subscribers um, it, it's, it's not at the forefront of me. Of course, I would like as many subscribers as possible. But for me, it's more about that community, you know, of people who really love what I do, who actually practice through my videos, who I can have a dialogue with. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, it's, that's so fun. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I haven't made any money off of, of this at all. Um, and I don't know that I will unless I get, you know, many, many, many more subscribers and, and more, more views. Uh, but I know that sort of the education that it's given me had, is really priceless. It has taught me so much about myself about, you know, the world, the internet world, making videos. And it's definitely something that I want to continue with, um, you know, um, going forward. It's, um, it sort of shifted uh, my, I think, my career path in that um, um, producing videos, making videos and offering programs that are, are, you know, more structured programs is, is what I am meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're just listening to that, that call that, you know, you're calling and that same voice that told you to move to New York city and helped you pick up the yoga book. And, you know, right now it's, it's hitting this big audience and helping people in this way. Yeah, I think that what I need to say just to everyone who, who would like to start a YouTube channel or become a yoga teacher or fitness trainer is you, you, you have to be patient. You know, it's like I feel a lot that everyone wants to become the star teacher these days. And, you know, it's like it seems like, you know, the higher you scream and the faster you talk, the, you know, everyone thinks, you know, it's going to happen right away. But, you know, it is a journey. And just enjoy what it is that you're doing. Enjoy, you know, putting the content out there and, and you know, just be honest with yourself. It's going to change and it's not going to be perfect in the beginning. And, uh, you know, even now I'm not putting out perfect content, but, it's it's just a matter of like you know showing up and trying to be consistent and even when you don't really feel like doing it like that's when you have to do it yeah and, just like and, with yoga yeah and 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 just be willing to say you know what it wasn't my most perfect video i've done better but you know what i know next time it's going to be better than this one but but i did it and i know that i might not be 100% okay with it but there's going to be someone out there who's really going to love this one yeah. <laughs> you know because it's always like that when I teach I'm like oh that was like the worst class I've taught yeah. in history and they're like really I thought it was an amazing class yeah. I know it's so funny how that is <laughs> so it's like you can't always judge yourself you just have to put it out there and say all right universe yeah Put it out there. Surrender it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, be serious about taking yourself lightly. I love that line. It's like my favorite line of yours. So good. (laughs) 
<laughs> so speaking of great things about you, one of my favorite things is that you talk a lot about the moon phases in your Philosophy Fridays and your yoga flows. And um, I was wondering if you could kind of go over just some like top line stuff on how we're affected by the moon phases and why it's helpful to understand them at all. Yeah, so as I told you in the beginning, I started with the Shtanga Yoga, and the Shtanga Yoga is a set series that if you practice the primary series in New York, London, or Paris, or um, you're from Michigan, right? Yes. Yeah, you're going to get exactly the same sequence, and they want you to do it six days a week, uh, except for you're not allowed to practice on new moon and full moon. So I did that for many years, but I started to notice after a while that I just didn't feel like doing exactly the same practice every day because I didn't feel the same way every day or every week. There were some weeks I had a lot of energy and other weeks I, you know, I just, I felt like I didn't have any, any energy in me. And, um, it's like I said in one of my videos, it's one of those other things that I said with with yoga and with YouTube, I don't even know how I got into like paying attention to it, but it sort of just started to present itself that when it was a full moon and it was a new moon, I noticed that I felt differently. And when you try to stay in touch with your intuition, it will start to guide you and it will start to make you pay attention so as I was noticing that, I would just go online and, and see, so what does the full moon represent? What does the new moon represent? What is the half moon about? So basically, the full moon is uh, where the moon is, it's full, and it has a very contractive energy to it. Uh, the, you know, the ocean is very high. Uh, and a lot of accidents tend to happen around the full moon. And you, you can notice around you that, you know, people can be much more agitated and, and angry. You, you know, you'll say things that you, you didn't really intend to say, but they just slip out somehow. Um, and uh, on in Ashtanga, you're not supposed to practice on full moon because of that contractive energy. It's believed that you will get more e easily injured because your mind is so strong. Like, I'm going to do it no matter what, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the new moon is, is the exact opposite. It's where the moon is, it's empty, so where the full moon has a lot of lightness to it, back in the days when they didn't have electricity, they were very reliant on the full moon to, to give them light. So they were very in tuned with where the moon was at, you know, because of that. These days, because we have electricity and we have light, we don't pay attention so much to it. So when the moon is new, it's, it's the exact opposite. It's empty it's dark there's there's less pull towards towards us and, and we are as humans built of water so like 80 percent water so because of that we are influenced by by the energy of the moon so during that new moon phase we might feel you know that less pull like it's a little harder to get to your appointments it's a little harder to get to those things that you you know you want to do um you might feel like a little bit more spacey and like oh my god like last week i knew what i was doing with my life but this week like what happens like it seems all cloudy and almost like a little depressed uh and then right in between those phases, you have the half moon where you have the half darkness and you have the half light where it, there is much more balance. And mentally, you might feel more in a balanced space. So, so that's basically what I started to, to notice that when I really paid attention to that and I brought that into class, 
uh, it started to feel more right. And I would ask my students, do you feel this way? Like, how are you today? And they're like, oh, my God, what you're saying resonates so much with me. And there are yoga poses that you can do to help you, uh, you know, balance yourself out. And the moon phases will not change. But the way that, you know, you react to it or you don't react to it is something that over time you can start to control a little bit more. And, and that's what I feel is, is the whole purpose of it. Uh, I, yeah, because I just don't think, you know, it's like, all right, it's Mercury retrograde. Now, should I just, you know, lie under the covers right, and right. not do anything? No, that wouldn't be very productive, right? Right. It's full moon. Yeah okay, the energy is very heightened. Now, what can I do to sort of control this situation? Maybe I'm, I get agitated. Okay, so what can I do? You know, let me step back a little bit. Let me take a deep breath. When I realize that someone wants to get into a fight, say, you know what, maybe we should, you know, continue this discussion tomorrow, (laughs) you know, two days uh, from now, uh, I will be in a better state to be able to, you know, deal with that. Uh, it just, I think it just adds on a whole different um, layer of awareness yeah. and just something to hook on to yeah. and say, yeah, you know, you know, that makes sense. This too, this too shall pass. It's not going to last forever. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like astrology. It's like, not being a victim to the planets, but just using that knowledge and, and taking it with you in your life, I think is powerful. Yeah. So, Did that answer? Did yeah, that, answer? that answered perfectly. I, I, I love everything that you talk about the moon phases. They're like my favorite videos of yours. So super cool. Oh, good. Yeah, I want to talk more about that and get more into it. Because cool. uh, it, everyone, it seemed like you resonated with yeah. a lot of it's super interesting, and the way you present it is really nice. It's spot on. Oh, good. Yeah. You're so positive, Katie. I love you. <laughs> no, I mean it. Um, well, okay, speaking of, one of my other favorite videos of yours is you give tips for how to stay healthy and fit and strong in your 20s, and you do one for your 30s, and you do one for your 40s. But since most of our listeners are in their 20s, I would love if you could highlight some of those tips you gave in that video and kind of talk about your experience and some really top-line things for the 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing to think about that your your bone mass actually peaks in your 20s, crazy. isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Like, and, and, you know, I don't think we really learn that unless we really study anatomy and we, we study the body. I don't think most people understand that that is happening and how important it is to, you know, do physical movements so that you can strengthen your bones as much as possible so that they, you know, they from your 20s can stay strong in your 30s because whatever you do in your 20s, although, you know, you're so young and you recuperate so quickly, Uh, It has a huge impact on how you might feel and what might happen in your 30s and then in your 40s and then in your 50s. So um, participating in yoga is is very important. Holding the positions, you know, for, for, for up to 70 seconds is really good for strengthening bones, research shows. Uh, Doing some strength training is also very good and participating in, you know, weight bearing exercises like running or, or jumping rope. Uh, swimming is not really weight bearing. So although it's good exercise, uh, it's not optimal for, for, for strengthening your bones. Um, is walking uh, the same way? Yeah, walking, walking is good, but I even read now uh, this weekend that, uh, there, there has to be a certain amount of pounding on your body to actually strengthen your bones. And they're trying to figure out, you know, how much 
pounding would that be? Is that, you know, jumping from uh, five feet and down to the ground? Or is it, you know, higher than that? And, and how many times do you have to actually jump in order to really impact your bones? Mm. Which is very interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, so, so physical exercise is always, always very important. What you eat is super important, you know, getting those dark leafy greens and, you know, trying to stay away from, from sodas and, and, and a lot of caffeine just, you know, literally makes you pee your bones out. Yeah. 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 So, uh, because, you know, if you don't have the strong bones and they get brittle, then, you know, you won't be able to live your life to your fullest capacity. So it's good to look good from, you know, from the outside, but you have to also pay attention to the inside. And it's hard because you can't see your bones. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice for people to take away, though, just, you know, arming them with that knowledge, just like we were talking about with the moon phases, just the awareness is helpful. Yeah, I think awareness, aware, awareness is really key. Yeah, yeah, really for all of this. So, oh, that's been That's such, yoga. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This has all just been so good. I, I can't wait to listen to this myself and soak it all up. Oh, good. Yes. So much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to now get personal with you and ask you some specifics um, about your life. You ready for it? Sure. So this is like the question I ask to everybody who comes on the show, and I really love it because it gives me a little um, bird's eye view into who you are as a person. So could you walk us through um, your morning routines and any specific practices you have to start your day and why starting your day on a positive note is important for how the rest of your day goes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've what what I presently do, which I've done for the last two weeks, is um, I wake up and I'm so fortunate. I have a six year old, and he usually wakes up maybe a little bit before me. And he, my husband is usually up by then. He wakes up at six. I usually wake up at 6.30. And somewhere in between six and 6.30, our son wakes up and he jumps into bed. And he uh, says, mama, let's coos. And coos in Norwegian is cuddle. So So we always so cute. (laughs) It's really cute. So we have this little time. (laughs) And um and then I um I get up and I make him breakfast. So I make the whole family breakfast, which is usually buckwheat um pancakes uh, with homemade almond milk. And um I get him ready to go to school. And uh, from there, either I, when I've dropped him off from school, this was something that I wanted to do very consciously because I was feeling like time was running out so fast and and I wanted to be as a part of his uh, life as much as possible. So taking him to school in the morning is really one thing that really sets me off for my day. Because, you know, it's like that quality time that I get to spend with him. And he's just fresh in the morning and not colored, you know, by anything. Uh, But when I've dropped him off, either then I'll go to um, visit a client or I'll go to the gym. I'll do my own practice uh, or answer emails. And and, uh, some days I then go and I pick him up at three and I get to spend the afternoon and the evenings with him too, making him dinner and giving him a bath and, you know, all of that good stuff. So a lot of my time is, you know, my yoga, biggest yoga is being a mom. Yeah. And he's been like your greatest lesson too, I've heard you talk about. Oh, it's my biggest lesson. Yeah. yeah. Biggest, biggest, big. Every day he just... Just, um, you know, he reins me in. Mm, so good. So now I want to ask you, 
what are you in your life now are you afraid of but you're doing anyways how are you challenging yourself i am i think for the most part with um with my my youtube videos is is how i i challenge myself um in in really the biggest way um i'm um I'm, I am a very open person. Um, I'm sort of that kind of person where I'll walk down the street and meet someone and they'll open up to me and, and tell them sort of their life story. But, you know, on a personal level, I'm, I'm more private and I always have been. Like I've trained my clients for, for years and for years they really didn't know much about me. But I think through, you know, being on YouTube and opening myself up more to my audience has allowed me to open myself up, you know, you know, with people in my life, even my, even my clients, that it is okay for them to know stuff about my personal life. Uh, so, so that to me sort of on... A daily bal- on a d- daily basis is just you know staying open and you know allowing myself to be vulnerable because it's so easy for me to you know help others and sort of be the leader. Uh, uh, asking for help uh, is is a huge thing for me these days, and in as I want to grow with my my video and 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 with sort of uh, offering stuff on video. There's a lot of things I don't know. So being willing to ask for help and asking people who know more than me um, is also something that um, I've allowed myself more to do. Mm. So good. I think that's a great lesson that anybody can take away from this, whether you're a public figure or of situation to yourself into being that, or just in your daily life. I think, you know, openness is so important. And the more authentic and real and open you can be with people, the more they'll be able to understand what you're going through and mm-hmm. help you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super cool. All right. So let's wrap with some quick fire questions. So just say like the first thing that comes to mind. All okay. right. So favorite color. I always say green, but I wear black for the most part. (laughs) Green. Green or black. Um, So favorite yoga pose? Pigeon. Me too. I love it. So good. What is the biggest misconception around yoga that you feel like you're constantly clearing up for people? Um. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, that you have to do it for for an hour a day. Mm, that's a <laughs> that you one. can do you can do ten minutes a day. Yeah, and everything is yoga. Yeah, you're always doing yoga. You're always doing yoga. Asana, you can do ten minutes a day, but you're you're always practicing yoga. Yeah. And even if you're not practicing asana, you are you are practicing yoga. I know many of those. Yeah. So true. What are some of your favorite hobbies outside of fitness or yoga? Um, I mean, I, I love to spend time with my friends. I love to travel. Um, I love to read. Um, I actually love sewing and knitting, although I haven't done much of that living in New York. But uh, I love to make things. Nice. Cut, and, cut and paste. Yeah, I love to rip out stuff from magazines and and uh, make like vision boards or just boards in general with images and words on them me too you should come (laughs) over here we could do it together (laughs) what is your favorite part of living in new york city um i i love the energy of new york i love the um, the opportunity i love that you know you can basically you can basically be who you are while you're becoming the person that it is that you ultimately would like to be. Mm, beautiful. 
What is your favorite vegetable? My favorite vegetable, I think it's carrots, actually. Mm, so good. Favorite fruit? Uh, mangoes. What is one, your number one health tip for people? Uh, drink water. Mm, that's a good one. What is one practical self-care action that you do for yourself almost every single day that's kind of like a non-negotiable for you? Something that I do every single day that's um, yeah, it doesn't brushing my teeth. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be every day, but one way that you take care of yourself or nurture yourself that you do frequently. Um, I think drinking a green juice every day. Mm, nice. What is your favorite meal you've eaten recently? Indian food at um, at um, yeah. We recently went to an Indian restaurant in Tribeca, which the name escapes me, but it's one of the best Indian foods I've ever best Yum. Indian food I've had. Indian yeah. food is so good. Oh, I love Indian food. So so flavorful. Oh, it's the best. If you could have a superhero power for a day, which would you have? Uh, Wonder Woman, <laughs> I guess. You are already Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I, it's funny. I I have been asked that question before, and I I'm not so much into superheroes, but maybe I should start paying attention <laughs> to them. <laughs> what is your favorite place you've ever traveled to? Uh, India. Ooh, cool. Mm. What is one beauty ritual that you have for yourself? Um, well, I think my my skincare routine is all of it just as like enhanced my skin in a way that I never ever thought would ever be be possible. Uh, there's a product that I use. Um, that is called Biologique, and there's um, um, an exfoliator and masks, um, P50 is one called, and uh, a deep cleansing mask and um, a hydrating mask that I blend together. And when I use that, my skin just really radiates. Mm, you have beautiful skin. Thank it's you. It's working for you. It is really working for me. So I have to make a video on, on my little skincare routine. Yeah, it's very sure. simple, but it works. Super cool. What is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice that I, I received recently was um, whatever you do, you can really never go wrong. You can really never fail. Because okay. everything is just an experience. So if you've tried it and, you know, by trying you realize that's not really what I wanted to do or that's, that didn't work, you will know. Um, and that was great advice. Mm, such great advice. That mm. goes right in. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so important to be reminded, right? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So my last question for you um, is a big one. So as you know, the name of my blog and this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you, to live in a wellness wonderland, what does that mean to you? Um, that means that it's important to, um, to pay attention to your whole mind body spirit complex and that it's not just about you know looking good in your body but it's about feeling good in your body and and listening into intuition calming down your mind and just you know trying your best at all times to be honest with yourself and realize that it's a journey and you're going to make mistakes, but just be willing to, you know, find your own flow so that you can follow your own flow. And I think that when you follow your own flow, you 
you will be living well and you will feel well in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. And when you do, it just has ripple effects out to everything that you do and uh, to everyone that it is that you meet. Mm. And that to me is, you know, the wellness wonderland. Oh, beautiful. I adore that answer and (laughs) all of your answers. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for for having me. This was really a treat. I never get to talk like this, so that was super fun. I hope that it's interesting for your audience. It's so interesting. It was so interesting to me, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Jailbout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.